hour of the Bill Michaels Show on a Friday in our green and gold hour. Mike Clemens coming up here shortly. Stay tuned for that. Glad to have you. This portion of the program, by the way, brought to you by our good friends over there at MKE Brewing, Milwaukee Brewing, and Bottle House 42, which is right next door. Great food. But if you want to go in, you want to do some tastings, they do uh, once a month, they do the Wednesdays where you can just mix and match and bring like a wagon in and walk away with a case of beer. And they do all kinds of crazy stuff down there. But don't forget about MKE Brewing, 9th Street, downtown Milwaukee. And uh, they, they're, they're good people. They got all kinds of different craft brews for seasonal stuff, too. So uh, keep them in mind. And, and by the way, if you're going to go somewhere to eat prior to a Bucks game, they're, they're a couple of blocks away from the Pfizer Forum. Just walk up the street. And they got a lot of little cool eclectic bars in that Pabst area over there at MKE Brewing. They've got one. They've got the Bottle House 42, as I had mentioned, plus uh, a couple of different ones. So it's really kind of an area that's grown up and, and become really nice. Kind of cool. Uh, 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. If you want to give us a shout, please feel free to go ahead and do so. Uh, Mark says, do you believe that Matt LaFleur scripts his plays or is it Aaron Rodgers? No, they've talked about that. They script plays, but it's a tree. It's not like Holmgren used to script the first 15 or 16 plays. I mean, we're going to run this, then this, then this, then this, then this. And every play had something that fed off of the other. Whereas LaFleur has talked about scripting plays, but it depends on the down and distance and the situation and what the results of the play are and how they kind of go about their business. The only time they don't have, quote, scripted plays, and Rodgers calls it, is in the two-minute offense. And they've had a ton of success there. So that you can't complain about. But starting out the game between him, Nathaniel Hackett, Aaron Rodgers, and Luke Getze, they script out, uh, how what their tree is, I guess, is how they're going to put it, of how they run plays. So, just in, yeah, I mean, that's just what they've stated. You know, it is what it is. Um, let's see here. Uh, this is from. What else do we have? Um, Ryan says uh, you're the only person who believes what you think about Kevin King. Uh, we don't need or want him. It, no, I'm not. If Kevin King hits the market, he'll get scooped up. When he's healthy, he's good. He'll get a diminished contract because his health has always been somewhat suspect. But when he's healthy, he's been good. Statistically speaking, it's not me stating it. I mean, you go through pro football focus last year for what they had prior to the injuries. It's not me. It's, I'm telling you. It's it's the analytics that say this was one of the better tandems in the defensive backfield in football last year. But again, they were healthy for a majority of the season. It's when Kevin King comes up with the hamstring injury and he's a step slow that he gets beat. But no, I mean, he looked bad in the NFC Championship game. That I agree with. But it wasn't like he was a problematic thing all season long. Not like he was in the NFC Championship game and not like he's had some issues this year. It's just not true. I mean, you can say that all you want, but it is what it is. And if you if you want to ignore the stats and everything else, Okay, now you say watch all those playoff games. I said, I said they were one of the best tandems in the regular season last year prior to the injury. That's what I stated. It's true. You can argue it all you want. That's fine. But I'm I'm just, (laughs) that's a fact. That's a fact. And And again, going back to that, my point is that we don't even talk about Kevin King anymore. Really don't. 
You talk about more so Stokes than anything. So when you look at the secondary, when you have Jair back and Stokes and Rasul Douglas, and you're talking about then being Kevin King and Shannon Sullivan, that's how good you are. That's how good you are. Gary, he was a free agent this year, too. They brought him back. He signed a one-year deal to come back. He's, he, he's not over, he, he got paid on productivity this year uh, going into free agency. He's probably going to get less money because of the injury aspect. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy enough to, to be performing. Um, Dan said, you're right, Dan. There was a point during the season that he was rated number one uh, through five through a five-game period before he got hurt. So, I, you know, it is what it is. He's got the stigma of two horrific plays attached to him. He's got the, the pass over the top, which clearly he got burned, and he, it was his fault he got caught looking in the backfield just before half, and then the pass interference penalty that ended the game. Those two plays have defined his career. All the other good that he's done has been completely forgotten about. That's like people that want to throw Mason Crosby out. Oh, he's missed another kick. Mason's had it. you got to get rid of him. People said that seven years ago. And you remove this season in which they've had some issues. He's been one of the most accurate kickers in the NFL. They said the same thing years ago about Robbie Gould in Chicago. He's terrible. Got to get rid of him. He had a bad season. He's been one of the most accurate kickers ever since. Fans are so quick to throw away guys because of moments rather than careers. You know what happened after Gold left too, right? Yeah, the double doink happened. Cody Parkey hit the upright seven times. Yep, yep, yep. No doubt. So it's, yeah, people are so quick to throw it away. And, and Ryan, you want to point at one game, that's fine. I get it. It's a big game. It was an NFC Championship game, no doubt. No doubt. But if Aaron Jones doesn't fumble, do you want to get rid of Aaron Jones? Because in the biggest game, he fumbled. That's the kind of statement you're making. That's the ignorance of the fans, of the emotional side of the fans. So if Aaron Jones can't be trusted in big games when he fumbles, then he, you should get rid of him, right? The big thing is, is that there's a trust issue. Not all his playoff games. No, it's not, guys, for those people that want to argue over there. People that want to argue, no, it's not all these playoff games. It was one playoff game. And Jair has given up plays. Other guys have given up plays. It's not just one player. But you want to point the finger at one guy. That's fine. But one guy does not a defense make. And the ignorance of fans that think so, yes, they can be your weakest link, but it's not. It's like, where's the pressure? Did you force the quarterback up in the pocket or did he sit back and have five to seven seconds to throw the ball? Because nobody can stay with a guy five to seven seconds. You know what I mean? It's it's stuff like that. You got to look at things not in just a microcosm. You got to look at things as a whole. There are times when you'll look at guys and go, "How can they give that up?" But then again, the quarterback had seven seconds to throw. Or if the quarterback's under pressure and quickly you're playing twelve yards off a guy when all he needs is seven yards for a first down, yeah, then I completely get it. I completely get it. You know, people used to rip Nick Barnett all the time. Nick Barnett was never a big enough, strong enough, fast enough guy. He was solid, 
people ripped uh, A.J. Hawk all the time. A.J. Hawk statistically played extremely well. His problem was that he was never the sideline-to-sideline guy that he was billed as coming out of college from Ohio State. He did it his first season. However, and everybody wanted to get rid of him. Remember that. The Marshawn Lynch trade didn't go down. It sucked. They wanted to run Ted Thompson out of town. That's going to cost us a Super Bowl. When, in fact, he had his best season ever that took them to a Super Bowl. He had his best season in a Super Bowl year. And you're glad you didn't get rid of him because at that point in time, you had lost six other starting linebackers. It's, it's, you, you got to look at things as a whole and not just as a game in a moment. And fans get so caught up in the moment. This guy cost us this. This guy did this. Yeah, you know, there's some moments that define people. I get it. But you got to look at the span of their career. You can't just say they suck. That's my point. I'm not saying he's great. I'm just saying he's not as bad as what you're making him out to be. And to say we don't need him, get rid of him, everybody else is better than him, you're wrong. You're wrong. Uh, 877-867-1670. You want to hit us up, please feel free. This is from Michael. Uh, He says, I agree with you about Kevin King. He's not terrible, but he's not great either. Uh, I would take him over some of the other backups that are out there in the National Football League. But let's make no mistake about it. He's not in the top five. Never said he's in the top five. I said the tandem with him and Jair last year, statistically for a long period of time, I think it was like a 10-game stretch, they were in the top three in football. So uh, he then goes on to say, uh, I'm not concerned about Mason Crosby either. I think Mason is veteran enough, veteran enough to be able to handle the moment. He has kicked in some of the biggest games and kicked well in a Super Bowl. What concerns me is Joe Barry playing that soft defense instead of going after Jimmy Garoppolo with a bad thumb. If you get Garoppolo off of his mark and make him throw without a base beneath him, his accuracy is going to go way down, and therefore we can capitalize. That, that's a great point, Michael. That's a great point. That if you put pressure on Garoppolo, not only with mechanics, or not only with the inability to really grip the football, but the mechanics on top of it, and with, and I don't know how bad this, this quote, shoulder is, but that, that's a great point. If you can get the mechanics out from underneath him and put him on the run and make him throw a second or two early, maybe do a few, few things that he's not used to doing or not comfortable doing, uh, yeah, you, you can capitalize. There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. I completely agree. Uh, this one's from uh, Anthony. Anthony writes, uh, hey, guys, uh, let's quit worrying about Kevin King because if King is our last line of defense, we all know that it can be a 50-50 proposition. Uh, let's worry and see if we get Jair back on the field and how the new kid does. I think Stokes has performed pretty pretty well, but let's not kid ourselves. Stokes has also made some pretty big mistakes. Just go back to the Detroit game and see how he got burned a couple of times uh, by Jared Goff. Um, Stokes, uh, Shannon Sullivan has dropped some key interceptions. Uh, and he, too, has also looked bad at times. So for everybody who wants to throw Kevin King under the bus, remember, you've got some other guys out there that have also made some mistakes. It just They just haven't made them in an NFC Championship game yet. Uh, he goes on to say, how is Rashawn Gary and that elbow? Is it getting better every week, and does he still have to wear the brace? I don't know about the brace, but he's, I mean, the last couple of games, he's played well, and, he, and it seemed to be fine. It didn't seem to be like a hindrance to him. But as far as actually wearing the brace, I have not, I have not looked close enough, to be honest with you, to see if he was still wearing it. My assumption is he is. Uh, but after the last two weeks of being, you know, uh, rest and relaxation, so to speak, and uh, and strengthening that, I don't know if he still has to. That's a good question. 
That's a good question. Uh, let's do this. We're going to step away. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, and uh, then it is uh, it is time. We're going to green and gold it all the way through the rest of the program. Our buddy Mike Clemens is going to be here. Mike's going to join us. We're going to uh, talk with him about all of these discussions and uh, what Matt LaFleur is stating. And then uh, we hear that Zedarius is going to be back and activated today, which is good news. Waiting to see if Whitney Merciless is not far behind and kind of go from there. Hang in there. we got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show. It's coming up next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. We have to start with the bombshell out of Green Bay just hours before the draft took place. Aaron Rodgers reportedly wants out. So upset with the Green Bay Packers that he wants to be traded before the season. Seemingly fed up with the lack of commitment from the organization. We've been talking about it for months. Here's General Manager Brian Gutenkunz with his thoughts. Um, we've been working through this for you know a little while now. And um, no, no, Ryan, I appreciate the question, but no, we're not going to trade Aaron Rodgers. This is an issue that's been bubbling and percolating beneath the surface all offseason long to the point, as we mentioned, that the Packers president, Mark Murphy, flew out from Green Bay out west to meet with Aaron Rodgers. And then the general manager, Brian Gutekunst, flew out west to meet with Aaron Rodgers. And then the head coach, Matt LaFleur, flew out west. Obviously, there's some things that are hard sometimes. But, you know, as we go down this road, I think you got to keep in mind, you know, how much we want Aaron to be here and how important he is to our organization. So I think, like I said, I'm optimistic and we'll, and we'll see how it unfolds. Welcome back. Indeed, all of that put together the last dance, and the last dance gets back underway again tomorrow night. Lambeau Field, 715 kickoff, 4 degrees and about a 12-mile-an-hour wind. It's going to put the wind chills below zero. Mike Clemens joining us on the hotline. And, Mike, it is, uh, it's a long time in coming to finally get back to this point where the Packers are in the postseason and uh, all of this set into motion by a simple phone call from the 49ers saying, hey, would you be interested in trading Aaron Rodgers? Bill, and you, you, you hit the key word there because we have spent the week now breaking this down. We've been waiting to find out who LaFleur is going to activate. Is Bakhtiari actually going to play in this thing? Or are they going to trust Yash Nyman up against Eric Armstead, whoever they put up there, or their linebackers? And this morning, I went back over my notes and all the things that we talked to the players. And every one of these players, at some point in the press conferences, got to this really revealing story or something about themselves, which means it's getting intense. And, and you know, don't forget, this, this training camp started with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams putting out a picture of the last dance. This is it. And... Last year, uh, last April, during the draft, what was it, the morning of the draft, you posted that note about the trade? Yep. Okay, and you got that from your source, you know, in Minnesota through the Vikings and, you know, Paul Allen, that, uh, yeah. hey, last night, the 49ers called the Packers and said, hey, are, is, is there something going on with Aaron Rodgers? Would you be interested in a trade? And there's maybe a couple of, you know, how many rounds that that would take to bring Rodgers to San Francisco. And everybody beat up on us like, you know, this is crazy. All right. So then the next thing you know, we got Mark Murphy writing a letter two or three days later, an open letter to fans on Packers.com. The team website says, 
Yeah, we've been having trouble with Aaron for about four months. We've been flying out there. The coach flew out there. Uh, Brian Gudikins has flown out there. Um, you know, they were trying to work out some things. And then Kyle Shanahan, the head coach of the 49ers, was on the phone last May, and he says, yeah, he called his former co-worker and friend, Matt LaFleur, to inquire about a trade for Aaron Rodgers. I don't want to wake up the next day on Friday and see Aaron Rodgers, um, one of the best quarterbacks in this league, traded without doing any due diligence on it. So I just called Matt and asked him if there was anything to it. And Matt told me I'd be wasting my time if if um, we had Lynch call. And so Lynch did not call anyone the next day. But, yes, I did reach out to Matt the night before and asked him if to see that Aaron was traded for something. I didn't at least look into it. And so that's what I did with Matt, and he gave me a very quick answer. So <laughs> I, I didn't even tell John to call Goody. Um, so I think that would have worked out, I guess. We were happy to get our guy, and hopefully it'll work out for them. So there you go. That was uh, that was uh, Kyle Shanahan basically. Yeah, we 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 did that. Uh, that was us. <laughs> so I'm telling you, there'll be a little juice in those suites, you know, where the owners and the presidents are uh, tomorrow night's game. That's that's just a little thing going on between these front offices. Now Matt Lafleur said this week, it's all good. Yeah, it wasn't much of a handshake when we beat them this year in Santa Clara uh, in Week Three. But, you know, Kyle's my friend. I've known him forever. He gave me a lot of opportunities. So, kumbaya, that's all water under the bridge. One other little mm-hmm. dramatic thing that happened this week is Kingsley Kiki uh, cut. Now, he you know, had been benched. His production seemed to be dropping off. Matt LaFleur asked, so why did the team cut Kingsley Kiki yesterday? Yeah, I'd rather not get into that one too much. I just, you know, um, sometimes you got to make some tough decisions. And, you know, we're very appreciative of everything that he brought to this team and we wish him well. Um, You know, I'm sure he's going to get another opportunity somewhere. And, you know, I hope he takes advantage of it and and wish him well. He uh, got picked up by uh, Houston, by the way. So I think they're up to like five former Packers down there. Lane Taylor, the former guard, is Mm -hmm. among some of those guys. So, yeah, it's it's Green Bay South in Houston. So, Mike, uh, speaking of guys that uh, you want to play or guys are trying to get picked up, you got Josh Myers getting picked back up to come and start uh, over Lucas Patrick. Uh, we're waiting to find out about Bakhtiari. The activation of Zadarius Smith, uh, ESPN, states that he is most likely going to be activated here shortly. Uh, we're still waiting on Whitney Merciless. But Josh Myers, going back to him, instead of Lucas Patrick at center, um, you're putting the rookie out there. they got a lot of faith in this guy. And the key to this was Bakhtiari played those 27 snaps in the first half of the Lions game. During the fourth drive he was out there, he said, okay, I'm a little fatigued. This is a little too much now. And the thing that we've learned directly from Bakhtiari is this isn't x-rays that's been keeping him off the field since October. He thought he could be back by the Chiefs. This is the player himself saying to the doctors, hey, it doesn't feel right yet. This doesn't feel right. And after just one or two practices, he went back in the training room and said, something's not right. And the next thing you know, they did more examinations, and then he had to get the knee scoped to, to clean it up a little bit. So it's Bakhtiari that's making this call. And one of the things I thought that was so fascinating was to hear from David Bakhtiari say, I really didn't want to play in that Lions game because I didn't want to play on that turf. My first game back on that turf, are you kidding me? But Aaron Rodgers gave both me and the rookie center, Josh Myers, a nudge and said, 
I really think you guys need to get on that field and play against the Lions before you think you're going to be ready after the bye for whoever we play in the divisional game. And I think what's going on there, Bill, actually is, is that, first of all, Josh Myers must have really, a rookie, not a veteran like Lucas Patrick, a rookie really impressed Rodgers in training camp and those first six weeks before he went down in the Bears game. And secondly, I think Rodgers wanted to get rid of Royce Newman at right guard, the rookie at Mm -hmm. right guard. So what they do with this move is you take Lucas Patrick, you move him to right guard, and then you take Josh Myers, this rookie, the second-round pick out of Ohio State, the big kid who, you know, has got been friends with Corey Lindsley, and he'll be over center in this, you know, critical divisional game tomorrow night. And I asked Lafleur, what impressed Aaron Rodgers about this kid to endorse him, to to nudge him, to say, this is the guy I want going into the postseason. He kind of took the reins day one when we, when we uh, got him in here, and I think he's done an outstanding job. Certainly, he's a young player, and there's a lot of room for for growth with him. But you know, he, he is a guy that you could see it in that first meeting, just his ability to stand up in front of the group and be composed, and you know, take control of the situation it was really, really impressive. That just showed us that he is, although he's a young player, he's very mature for for his age and his his experience at this level and um i thought he's done a great job communicating certainly he, he's learned a lot throughout the course of the year obviously not ideal to have him miss an extended period of time but i feel like he's he's done a great job and and really battling back from you know a, a lot of guys it might have ended their season but he's he's just wired the right way he works his tail off each and every day you know, we're excited about just how far he's come and and just where he could eventually become as a player as well. Well, again, it goes back to Aaron Rodgers having a say uh, because he was the guy that wants to see Josh Myers out there, Mike. So he, you know, again, going back to wanting to feel like his opinion matters, it certainly matters in that situation. Now, Bill, when you've watched this NFC Championship loss to the 49ers and the frustration of Rodgers just can't get the ball going. Meanwhile, he's on the sidelines, and the 49ers are rushing for over 200 yards on the ground, and his defense can't stop him. Or you're playing the Buccaneers, and Tom Brady and Bruce Arians keep pulling rabbits out of a hat with plays and getting scores. Rodgers' frustration that even though his team has three interceptions, they got three and outs in the second half. You could see sometimes that deer-in-the-headlights look of Aaron Rodgers as gifted as he is, or frustrations with maybe the players around him. And yet, he, so he's, everything he says, he's been working on himself, on his composure uh, in, in these pressure situations. And he sent a message to Derek Carr. Derek Carr, after beating the Chargers in that last game in Week 18, said, I got this great message from Aaron Rodgers. That's how I was able to perform in the clutch. And I asked Rodgers about that. Well, I don't want to take any more credit uh, for Derek's success. I sent him a few text messages uh, because we are friends, um, and I just want to send him a couple of encouraging messages. He's, you know, been close to the playoffs, hadn't made it yet, and uh, I just enjoy uh, his personality and his friendship. So I was surprised that he mentioned it afterwards, but I, I do appreciate his friendship. Um, for me, during before a game, it's very uh, kind of just in my own uh world there's some music going on locker room uh thanks to my post noise canceling headphones i'm able to kind of drown the majority of it out even though it is kind of pumping pretty loud 
Um, and my music is usually uh, some sort of either acoustic guitar or piano or instrumental uh, selection. I just like to kind of get in my uh, focused Zen uh, mindset where I'm working on my breathing and trying to slow my heart rate. And then once we get within an hour of the game, that's when, you know, I'm getting stretched. I'm getting ready for the game. I'm taking last looks at my, uh, you know, first thoughts and the, you know, the wristband to make sure I have a familiarity with that. But the entire time, you know, I'm trying to do things, calm my mind, calm my heart rate. And then look for those guys in the locker room that may need a word or a, a hand or some sort of energetic passing. But yeah, I try and be the most calm person in the locker room. People are looking at the quarterback all the time and everybody has a role. There's guys need to be energy guys. I need to look over and see Rashawn Gary doing his thing. John Kuhn forever was the guy that would take out the big green band and be doing his biceps, you know, curls before the game to make sure his arms look good for TV and Josh sitting to be puking in the bathroom and, you know, Dave is yelling obscenities in the corner and whoever it might be, there's certain guys, you kind of need those preams. I could look over and see, you know, Devante super focused. I could see Rashawn getting pumped up. I can feel Sav and, and Smash ready for the game. I can look over and see Dave about to lose his mind in a good way. And then I can know that, you know, my role is to be the focused, you know, relaxed guy over there, letting guys know we're going to be okay and, and let's be confident. What were the 49ers doing in the Cowboys to limit CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper? And does any of that apply to Saturday night? for you yeah i mean i think they're gonna have a plan for what we do offensively and they had a plan when we played them week three you know they're well coached on both sides of the ball i'm sure they'll be ready for a lot of stuff that we're uh, we're doing we're trying to do it just comes down to execution in those moments and i think there's some opportunities for for those guys the other night but it comes down to execution and then and the cowboys didn't execute the niners defense did uh, kept them out of the end zone uh for much of that game and Coming to Lambeau on our field and our weather, you know, we feel good about uh, what we, the product we put on the field, and we got to go out and execute one more time. Let's do this. Uh, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break, come back. We got a lot more with Mike Clemens wrapping up uh, the last half hour of the show, getting you ready for the Packers and the 49ers coming up on Saturday night, Lambeau Field. Stay tuned. We got more coming up right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show. On the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Rogers inside, Cobb, touchdown! The fifth of the year for Randall Cobb. They've been running this play since I was playing. H post, really good route. Get them, get them going vertical. And then it's one-on-one -on, -one on Taylor Rapp, and, and he wins to the inside. Welcome back to the program. The Bill Michaels Show continues on. Our guy, Mike Clemens, uh, on the ground. Going to be there tomorrow night. Packers taking on the 49ers. And uh, this, this game, obviously, huge in the uh, in the aspect of last dance so to speak and uh, when you talk about a guy kind of getting a second chance a second wind if you will Randall Cobb coming back uh, for this one Mike so and he was kind of waxing nostalgic about how he was here and then he was gone and now he's back again and how much he wants to take advantage of the opportunity so he's he's excited too yeah and the thing about it is that in that game at when he made that touchdown catch bill he'd had four catches he looked like the old Randall Cobb. I mean, he was just on the same page with Aaron Rodgers. They were tearing it up. The Rams had put up 17 points in the second quarter, 
and that helped the Packers, and then eventually the Packers pulled ahead and won 36-28 over Matthew Stafford and all those investments, Von Miller, that the Rams have made to try and get to the postseason. And then we find out, you know, abdominal injury, and then the next thing we hear about a week later is core muscle surgery. And then you think, I mean, the season must be over with. And so I asked Randall yesterday, it's the first time we've had a chance to talk to him since then, during this past eight-week period, what happened on his touchdown just before the half against the Rams that led to that core muscle surgery? It was on a touchdown. Um, whenever I caught the ball, I was I had my back turned. I was spinning into the end zone, and uh, I got hit by one of the Rams linebackers. And as soon as I got hit, I felt I felt something pop or tear. I didn't know what it was. And then Tay and uh, Lazaro was pushing me back and forth, and I'm like, oh, what's going on? Something ain't right. Uh, and as I was jogging off the sideline, I, I told one of our trainers, uh, like, I, I don't know what happened, but something something popped. I felt something pop, and uh, it, I think it was right before a two-minute drive, so I just stayed on the sideline for that two-minute drive, and then we got to the locker room, and they examined me, and I, I really didn't have any strength in uh, being able to lift up my leg, uh, so so uh, I got a scan the next day, and we we found out that I had a um, my rectus and my adductors had uh, I had popped both of those. That just sounds painful. I don't care who you are. That just sounds bad. He couldn't lift his leg. Yeah, that has all the connections to your abdominal muscles, obviously, and your core muscles. So that just sounds bad. Yeah. Now the one thing that kind of threw me was that the Packers win that game 36-28 over Rams. Rams fall to 7-4. and four. Packers improve to 9-3. and three. Packers go into their bye. And about four or five days later, David Bakhtiari posts this video, and it's like David Bakhtiari and Aaron Rodgers are walking into a darkened home or room or something, and Bakhtiari's having conversation with Rodgers, and oh, yeah, yeah, and then all of a sudden, Randall Cobb jumps up from behind a, a chair or something and goes boo and, you know, scares the bejesus out of Aaron Rodgers, right? So Bakhtiari posts that, and I'm thinking, well, well, Cobb doesn't look too bad there. So I asked Cobb yesterday, what was that video that Bakhtiari posted during the bye week of you jumping out to scare Aaron Rodgers? Scaring Aaron? Yeah, that was actually, that was an old video. I actually, I should have made a compilation because I got a bunch of them. Uh, I, I, I get him all the time. I get him all the time, whether we're in the facility. Uh, that was actually, I think, in the hotel room uh, before the Jacksonville game. Yeah, so I, I get him pretty good all the time. Mike, uh, you had mentioned uh, that a lot of players, including Cobb, kind of wax nostalgic uh, about uh, the, the. I don't want to necessarily say that you know just this game, but more so about their career, where they've come from. It seems like, like you had mentioned, there's a lot of pressure because of what went on in the off season leading up to this moment, all the way until today. That uh, that that there, there's a lot of riding on this. And then Randall says, you know, consider me, man. He goes, the Packers win the Super Bowl. And then the next year, they pick me. I come in, we go 15-1, and one, and then we're one and done against the Giants. And then after that, yeah, we, you know, we got back in the playoffs a few times. We got to the NFC Championship and, you know, lost to the Seahawks. We, we lost to the Falcons when we were all banged up. Falcons went on to the Super Bowl. Matt LaFleur was on that staff there. And then the next thing, after about eight years, they, they let me go. They're done with me. So, you know, now I'm with the Dallas Cowboys – 
they fire Mc, they they let him go after McCarthy was fired, and we just figured you know he figured there'd be all kinds of sweeping changes now. You know, Gutekunst is now in for the next year. They're going to hire a new coach. So he's with the Cowboys, is with the Texans, and he said it was killing him because he sees Matt LaFleur, the new coach, in his first year take these guys to the NFC Championship, and he's just sitting there like, why did this happen to me? Why can't I – why could not I not be a part of that that team that, you know, just that bounced back after they moved on from McCarthy? And so Cobb said, you know, this whole thing for him has been – a hell of a long journey from growing up poor in a small town in Tennessee to what he's got an opportunity for tomorrow night. You know, it's been a long journey. You know, you know people may look at me and see a millionaire and think about all the money that I've made, but uh, I, I grew up in a trailer park. Uh, I grew up in I grew up in, in the hood. I grew up in a neighborhood where I, I heard gunshots all the time. Uh, I, I've seen a lot of things in my life, and my, my parents have Went through a lot. They sacrificed a lot for me to play sports. Uh, you know, I, I used to do travel baseball. My, my dad uh, would, would take me 45 minutes to practice twice a week, uh, 30 minutes to games twice a week. Uh, we would travel every weekend for, for baseball tournaments. He would drive me around, you know, every college in the South for me to try to get a scholarship. You know, and I, and I had a lot of people tell me, no, that I'd never be a Division One athlete, that I could never play at that level. Uh, but but he was the one that was always in my ear, reminding me of who I was and what I could do and what I was capable of. You know, my my, my mom, she sacrificed, worked multiple jobs um, to provide for us. Um, you know, I, and it wasn't just me. I had siblings, too. And, and, you know, it's just it's those little things. And, and when you get to this moment and you get to this level in your career and you look back on all the memories and I think about my kids and what kind of legacy I want to leave for them. I don't take any of it for granted. Um, I think I may have before I had kids, and now that I have kids, it's kind of it flips something in you, and I think any parent can understand that. But but the journey has been a long journey, and yes, I'm only 31, but it's been a long journey, and I've seen a lot. I've done a lot. Football has provided a lot for me, uh, but but I know that that Super Bowl is the pinnacle of of what we chase, what we're after. Uh, Mike, getting into the brass nuts and, and bolts of this, though, and I agree with him. I mean, I, you know, again, you're talking about a guy coming towards the end of his career wanting to finally get a hold of the brass ring again. But uh, the bottom line is you got Debo Samuel, you got Mitchell, you got these guys that can run the football. Uh, it's good to get Devondre Campbell uh, back uh, because he obviously didn't play in the Detroit game and what he's brought to the team this year and getting the all-pro nod. And and these two guys, uh, Mitchell and, and Samuel, are, are two tough tough nuts to crack, man, because they're so good, specifically on first down. Yeah, and this 49ers team, they get off to their start. They beat the Lions. They beat the Eagles. But then the Packers come into San Francisco and beat them. And after that, then they have a little bit of a slump. They, I mean, four-game slump. They lose to the Seahawks. They lose to the Cardinals. Cardinals was still was still hot then. And then when they lost to the Colts, they had a serious problem. And so Kyle Shanahan says, blows this up. He goes to Mike McDaniel's offensive coordinator, says, "We got to change this." And he says, "We're we're going to Chicago next week. We're going to run the football at least forty times." And part of it is take it out of Garoppolo and indecision and. And the injuries that they had, too, they had to make adjustments. And so they actually ran up more than 40 times, and they beat the Bears 33-22, to 22, and that's when they turned this thing around. And they got creative. They, they looked in their field and said, 
who are our best athletes? And one of them is Debo Samuel. And you've got to give them credit for this. And this is something that McCarthy didn't really do, like like the Taysom Hill situation. Here's a great athlete, Debo Samuel. How does he look, you know, as a running back? I mean, hell, he called his own shot on that touchdown. He said in the huddle, "This one I'm taking in against the Cowboys." And so Devondre Campbell is now faced with trying to stop this Elijah Mitchell, the rookie, or Debo Samuel, who just, you know, every time he gets the ball, it's for ten yards or more. What's it going to be like facing those guys tomorrow night? Going against an offense like San Fran, you know, with as many looks as they give us, it's going to be kind of hard for them to figure out where I'll be because I can guard wide receivers, I can guard tight ends, and I can guard running backs. So I'm not dealing with any more little stupid nagging injuries. I'm fresh. I feel great. I felt that way the whole year, and I, I think it showed in my play. That's just the most important goal for me at this point, just continuing to stay healthy, honing in on the details, and taking it one day at a time. You talk about a find, man, in the offseason, how this guy got loose. Uh, it, it, it was a godsend that the Green Bay Packers and Brian Gutekinds picked him up. And it was a month or two later that Rodgers says he was out there at training camp and saying, what is this guy doing in the third, on the third team? This guy, is all, he's all over the field. He's picking up everything I'm doing. And he would spent those years with the Falcons under Dan Quinn, and then the Cardinals pick him up you know, and put him on their practice squad. And last spring, he's watching all these other guys getting big deals in free agency, and he doesn't understand why he's not getting calls. But he said, you know what, I want to clarify, it wasn't like nobody was calling me. He says, I was getting calls, but if I was going to make a move, it was going to be the right place because I'm sick and tired of this six, seven years in the league, and how old is he now? 28 years old. The next move I make is going to be to the right team that uses me rightly. And so he talked about... What it was like seeing all those, all those other linebackers getting deals in free agency? My honest thought process is like, what am I doing wrong? It's, it's, it's a league full of good players, but I mean, I feel like I'm just as good, if not better than all these guys. So to see them get, you know, some of these big deals they're getting, and here I am, keep telling, being told that I have to basically prove myself. And I'm like, I don't feel like there's nothing I need to prove. Just check the tape. Tape don't lie. I've been producing for years and years and years in every single role that I've been asked to do. And, you know, everybody's whole question is, like, what's so different? How did you just become this elite player all of a sudden? Like, I've been the same player my whole career. My job responsibilities have just been different. I've never been a true Mike. I've never been put in the position to make plays week in and week out. And that was something that I, I was very adamant about coming into the uh, off season, like I was going to sign somewhere that allowed me to to be the guy. Green Bay allowed me that opportunity, and I'm, I'm just very thankful for it, you know, for them believing in me when a lot of people kind of didn't. Going to go ahead and take a quick break. Reminder, coming up tomorrow night, we got the uh, watch party and then the Green Gold Postgame Show live at Fox's South 76th Street in Greenfield, brought to you by Bud Light. We hope to see you there. Final segment of the Bill Michaels Show with Mike Clemens coming up next. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Hey, Matt, how did your guys handle the cold this week? And was there anything that you normally would have done outside that you just decided to move indoors just because of the cold? Was it cold out there, Rob? <laughs> My hands are, just, I can barely type. Uh, I don't know. It felt like, it felt like Green Bay to me. I'm Silverstein. 
I'm not accepting that answer. I'm sorry. What was it cold for you, Tom? No, I wasn't out there, so utilized on Saturday. It wasn't. Bad oh, you, at all. you look nice and comfortable in, in your house. Yeah, it's pretty nice. It's pretty nice. I don't know. We'll just have to see uh, see how I'm feeling game time. I definitely will. We'll have some layers on. You know, I, I always joke with these guys that I don't get the chance when we're making corrections on offense or on defense to go sit on those heated benches. Well, there you go. There's a good and a bad to being the head coach of the Green Bay Packers or any coach, for that matter, playing in a cold-weather climate. Kyle Shanahan uh, asked Mike about his guys. How is he going to get his guys acclimated to the cold weather? Well, what he did is he got his team here a day early. I mean, they had their final practice yesterday. They're looking at Jimmy Garoppolo and how the ball was coming out of his hand with the torn ligament in his thumb, the sprained shoulder. Shanahan said that the throws were just fine. But after they got done with their final practice of the week in 65-degree temperature, they loaded up on the plane, made the four-hour trip, got into Wisconsin last night, and they're here today for an extra day where they can get acclimated to the temperature and, uh, and to the time change as well for tomorrow night. And Shannon was asked in his last press conference, do you want your players, like, walking around outside Appleton today or in Wisconsin to adjust to the temperatures? I'll, I'll talk to some of the guys about it. I think each person's different. Um, me personally, it's not about getting used to it. It's about going out and doing it for three and a half hours um, and make take, getting your mind set that I can do this for three and a half hours and focus on the game and everything. I don't think you go out and freeze the day before and think that your body's going to be more used to it the next day. That's me personally, but uh, I'll talk to our players here a little bit on the plane. We've got a couple options on what we can do. We can go outside. We have plenty of room in the hotel with the ballroom and stuff to walk through. Um, we just have our last Saturday, which will be a Friday walkthrough, but um, not too big of a deal to me. I'll let the players decide on it. So, Mike, uh, we're waiting on the uh, final decision, so to speak, but waiting for the finals at Arius Nod, waiting for uh, Whitney Merciless, and, and to find out what a bit more about uh, David Bakhtiari and such. So we'll say, yeah, Jair. Yeah, and some of these guys, you know, if you put them on, you might be taking off guys to play on special teams because you're not going to play those guys on special teams. And Matt LaFleur talked about these final roster decisions due today. Certainly, we have a lot of guys potentially to come back, and you want to test them and make sure that they feel comfortable and confident to go out there and play at a high level against a very physical football team. And and I'd be lying to you if that wasn't a part of this thought process as well. We know who we're going to play, and, and more than just your 48 guys. Um, unfortunately, there's going to be some guys that aren't going to suit up that we'd love to have up on game day. Mike, uh, always good. Uh, it's going to be a big weekend. Who you got in this one? Uh, you know, it's not the Packers by seven points. I'll take Green Bay, but I think it's going to be a, a close, hard-fought football game. Mike, great stuff as always, man. We'll uh, we'll talk to you after the game, okay? Talk to you then, Bill. Thank you. All right, buddy. There you go. Mike Clemens uh, joining us to kind of wrap things up. So a reminder. Uh, first of all, we went through our picks. Uh, I got Green Bay winning this one uh, by about 10. I think they're going to be able to come out, hopefully start fast, and then just kind of keep the foot on the gas and go from there. Uh, The upsets this weekend, I don't have Tennessee getting beat. I have Tennessee winning, and then after that, the Rams winning, the Bills winning. And don't forget, coming up uh, tomorrow night, we're going to be live down at Fox's, South 76th Street in Greenfield. We're going to be there tomorrow, and they're going to get there probably for the end of the uh, Cincinnati-Tennessee game and then get you ready 
for the Packers and the 49ers are going to have a watch party, all kinds of giveaways. If you want to find out more information, you can go to the Facebook fan page, go to Facebook.com and uh, The Bill Michael Show. And there's all the details that are right there. It gives you the location, the whole deal, or just search out Fox's Pub in Greenfield. And uh, we're going to be there tomorrow night. Giveaways from Bud Light and the Green and Gold postgame show immediately following. So make a note of it. Immediately following the game. Myself, Mike Clemens is going to be in uh, Green Bay at Lambeau Field. Ben Kenny going to be running the program out in Madison. We're going to have a great time tomorrow. And we hope to see you out there tomorrow night. Foxes on South 76th Street in Greenfield. That'll do it. What a week. You got Badgers and Michigan State coming up tonight. You got the Packers and the 49ers tomorrow. Just enjoy a lot of football and enjoy the weekend. Stay warm. Until then, time for us to go. Have a going. Just see how he responds to the load. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.